Gift Biz Unwrapped, Episode 14. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar shop, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. After you listen to the show, make sure to jump over and subscribe on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward. And now, on to the show. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Kevin Jordan. Kevin is the owner of Redpoint Marketing Consultants and the host of the Small Business Marketing Minute Show. That show is a video and audio podcast that teaches simple, affordable, and practical marketing methods to small business owners. He's also a member of the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network and has recently co-authored a book titled The Small Business Owner's Guide to Local Lead Generation. And that book is just out for, I think, just a couple of weeks as of this recording. The book teaches local business owners how to successfully compete with much larger companies. And if any of you have listened to the very first episode we did, 000, when I talk about what this podcast is all about, I talk a lot about the fact that if we are smaller businesses, we're leaner, meaner, we can react so much faster. And that's exactly what Kevin talks about in this book. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Happy to be here, Sue. I am thrilled that we connected because, again, I think what you are talking about and presenting in this book is exactly what we want to talk about today. So perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, perfect timing for me, too. Is there anything that we should add to your intro before we get started? I think you hit it all. Well, we're going to jump right in. And as our listeners know, we like to align the conversation around the life of a motivational candle. The light shines on you, Kevin, while you share your stories and experiences. So shall we light it up? Absolutely. Wonderful. Help us envision what your candle looks like. What color is it? I think I'm going to go with uh, old gold. So uh, that's uh, one of the colors of my alma mater, Purdue University. And it's actually a very specific type of gold that's called old gold. So that that's uh, my candle color right there. Okay. And old gold is kind of like an antique-ish versus a metallic, I would guess. Right, right. Got it. And what is the quote that would be on that candle? It says, things may come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. That's from uh, Abraham Lincoln. How does that resonate with you? What does that mean to you in your life? Get started. <laughs> and that's actually the quote that we use in the last chapter of the book, which is a, called Get Started. And just says to me that you can plan and plan and plan and edit and edit and tweak and tweak. But the person who puts something out there that's maybe less than perfect and starts getting some results is going to be far ahead of someone who's waiting till everything's perfect. I totally agree. You know, we all know people who are going to write that book or they're going to start that business or they're going to do, going to do, and they talk all about it, but nothing ever happens. And if nothing ever happens, then you're never going to know whether it's going to be successful or not. Right. And it is. I mean, everything you do 
it's going to be a little uncomfortable when you get started because it's new to you. But everybody starts at that place. Everybody starts at the beginning. It's kind of like that time in that you don't have a choice but to do. So I love that quote. It's perfect. Gift Biz listeners, when Kevin and I first started talking, he was generous enough to send me a draft version of his book because we were trying to zero in on exactly what to talk about today. But I think I've narrowed in just a couple of topics that I want to talk about. And the first one is referral marketing. The reason I wanted to talk about this is getting referrals from your current customers is one of the easiest and least expensive ways of doing it. But so many of us are nervous or just don't quite feel comfortable with doing that. So I thought maybe Kevin could help us out a little bit here. Can you talk a little bit more about what the value is of referral marketing? Yeah, Sue, and I think you picked a great topic here because it is by far one of the best ways to grow a small business. And uh, a lot of people don't really have a plan for that part of their marketing. So I think there's two really big points to make about the value of referral marketing. The first is that it's by far the lowest cost of acquiring a new customer. There's a lot of different ways that you can acquire a new customer that people can hear about your business. Advertising, of course, They can search online and find you that way. You can be doing public relations, all kinds of things. But all of those are going to cost more money or take more of your time than getting referrals. So referral marketing is by far the lowest customer acquisition cost for you. The second thing is that customers who are referred to you tend to be more ideal for your business. For example, if you had a shop that makes custom signs, you know, hand-painted signs or a wood-burned signs or something like that, and someone comes to you and says, I was just at my friend's wedding and I saw the sign that you made for their wedding. Um, I loved it. I want one just like that. Well, number one, their friend probably told them about how much it costs, so they're not going to have sticker shock when you tell them what your, your prices are and they're going to be willing to pay what you charge. Number two, they already have a very good idea of what you can do and how you operate and all of that kind of thing. So they're not going to complain as much. They're going to be a better fit for uh, your type of business. And they're just really going to be an easier customer to deal with. I never thought about that before. You know, I thought about the credibility in terms of if someone refers it, you know, the product is probably there. But in terms of them being, I mean, in terms of product quality, but in terms of them being pre-qualified with price, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But why do you think that people have trouble, you know, I'll see people, even in my mastermind, people just get a little bit anxious or they feel uncomfortable putting something in place where they're asking for referrals. I think there's a lot of reasons, Sue, and they vary from people thinking maybe that they just don't deserve it, thinking that it might turn people off or, you know, whatever. But I think the two big reasons are really that they just don't know how to do it and that they don't make it a habit. That's the key to really being successful at getting more referrals is putting a step into your process where every single time that's the point in your process where you ask for the referral. For example, if you have a brick and mortar store and a point of sale and you are handing a customer a receipt, that could be your trigger for 
Every time I hand a customer a receipt, I ask them if they've heard about our referral program. And I never hand a customer a receipt without asking them that question. Obviously, if you have an online business, it might be done via email or, or whatever. But there has to be a point in your process where every single time, that's where you ask for the referral. And it has to be automatic. So I think, you know, what you're saying that's a little bit differently is that you already have a program set up. So you're not asking someone for a direct referral, like, hey, do you know any friends who could also use this service? Which is what I typically think of a referral. But you're saying to talk about, oh, we have a referral program. Let me make sure you're aware of Either way. I mean, if you don't have a program and you're just asking them for a personal introduction, like, do you know any friends who might use our service? That's fine, too. But you still have to have a point in your process where you do it. And it has to be a habit and you have to have the discipline to do it every time. And I guess the more you do it, the more comfortable you'd be with it as well. Yes, exactly. And by the way, it will not turn people off. These are people who like you. They're continuing to do business with you. People actually are wired to give referrals. It is something that is in our nature because it adds value to our relationship with people when we can help connect them with companies that they're going to be thrilled to do business with. And that makes us more valuable to them. And a lot of people don't even realize this, but it's actually psychologically in our nature. So when you help people do this, help them connect their friends with you so that they can impress their friends, it's actually helping them out too. And so if someone is listening right now and they don't have a referral program, a structured program, can you give us some tips or steps on how one would get started? Sure. I've, I've got three things that I think your listeners should start with here. The first, and these are kind of related to two different types of referrals, by the way, because we often think of referrals from customers, which are great referrals from other business owners, which um, sometimes are even more valuable. So for a referral program for your customers, I would simply start by asking every customer that you deal with, hey, I'm thinking about starting a referral program. If you had a choice between uh, getting uh, X, Y, or Z when you referred a new customer to us, which would you prefer? And just kind of getting some feedback from your customers about what would incentivize them to give you more referrals. And they'll give you some great feedback. So that's where I'd start for customer referral program. For getting more referrals from other business owners, I would suggest starting by visiting a meeting of your local BNI chapter. Uh, that's Business Network International. Chances are there's one within five miles of wherever you are in the country, at most maybe 20 to 30 miles. There are literally thousands of chapters um, in the United States. And what you'll find at a BNI meeting is anywhere from 15 to 30 local business owners who are ready and willing to give you referrals and who have been trained by BNI on how to do that. So it's anyone can visit the meeting, just contact the chapter president on the BNI website and find the time and location and schedule a time to visit one of those meetings. Yeah. And BNI, in part, as part of their structure, referrals are set into their meeting flow. They have a structure for each meeting. So you're right. That's a great idea. It's an easy way to start feeling comfortable with referrals. Yes. And if you join BNI, they actually you know, give you all kinds of training about how to ask for referrals, how to network. It's really a world-class organization. And then the last thing I'd suggest 
for those of you who uh, go out and buy our book, one of the bonuses we offer, which I think we'll talk more about later, is a free copy of a book called Renewable Referrals, which one of my co-authors wrote, which is all about how to form long-lasting strategic partnerships with other small business owners. And uh, we're giving away a free copy of that to the first 100 people who um, come to the book website and fill out the form. So even though I've sold over 100 books at this point, we've only gotten 30 or so people who have requested that book. So there's still quite a few available for uh, your listeners. But it is finite. So if you're interested in that, you better jump on it. But I guess, yeah, we are going to talk about that a little bit later, too. Okay, fabulous. And I'm just going to jump back really quickly to when you're talking about customers. You know, if you're getting customer buy-in, which first off, I think is a fabulous approach, Kevin. I've never thought of it that way either. But I think anybody who's a little less than comfortable will also start seeing the reactions that the customers are sharing. You know, if you're just asking a question like, what would be valuable to you as part of a referral program? You'll see that they'll say, oh, well, let's do this or let's do this. They probably aren't going to say, nah, don't do a referral program. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, if you're saying customers, you know, if you're having customers tell you, you know what, I really don't think I'd be comfortable referring you to anybody, then you have some problems. <laughs> I mean, that's you, you've got some other things you got to deal with. Yeah, I mean, well, that's always the fear, right? But I've never heard one story where that's happened to anybody ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we always still have that fear. I'm not sure why. Let's wrap up this portion of the conversation. We've now covered the value of referral marketing, how to overcome you know, your concerns about asking for referrals, and then some great steps to get started if you don't have a referral marketing program or even have been thinking along those lines at all. Fabulous information, Kevin. Thank you for all of that. Sure. The second topic I wanted to talk about is event marketing, particularly for those people who already have a brick and mortar. It's way easier to get started and do some type of an event, but it's not exclusively for brick and mortar. Anyone who's home-based, sells online, could also do some type of an event. So I think it really is applicable for everybody who would be listening today. Let's go with that, Kevin. What would you say about event marketing? Why should you do it? Well, I think that can be covered in two words, Sue, and those words are FaceTime. I'm using the word FaceTime a little bit loosely here because if it's an online, it's not necessarily be literally face-to-face, but it's interacting with people personally versus just having them browsing your website or reading something you sent them in the mail or whatever. And you are the number one sales tool that your business has. So when you are in front of a person talking to them, that is by far the best way that you can convince them to know, like, and trust you and thus do business with you. And events are a way for you to do that with many, many people, anywhere from dozens to maybe even thousands if it's something like a trade show at once. So that's, in a nutshell, why you should be doing events. Yeah, you know, especially online. And if you have mostly your logo out there, Who's behind that logo? What's the voice? What's the face behind the business? And a lot of people, I know there's been a lot of research done with social media, like should you use your icon or should you use a personal face? A lot of it is trending to that personal approach is so important and it does equate to more sales. It's been shown that it does equal additional revenue by putting yourself out there as a real person. Yeah. So what's involved in event marketing? Well, there's so many different types of events that you can do it. You've got 
online events like webinars. You've got self-hosted events, special events at a brick-and-mortar location. You've got uh, sponsoring other people's events and then trade shows and all kinds of different things. So I think the first thing you need to do is kind of decide what type of event you feel most comfortable doing and that you have the resources to do. So, for example, let's take trade shows just as an example. And when I say trade shows, I'm I'm talking about anything that involves your typical vendor booth scenario. So that might be a booth at an art show or a a fair or, you know, anything like that. Sidewalk sales this time of year are a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, community uh, events where vendors can sponsor and get a booth and, and that kind of thing. Um, that's an easy one to, to do because you don't have to bring in the crowd, the event people, whoever's putting it on, take care of that for you. You will have to kind of put together your booth and decide how it's going to be organized and and all of that, but you don't have to worry about marketing the event. And that's a big plus. Of course, those will cost money in terms of whatever they're charging for the booth space, but a lot of times they'll still be a lot cheaper than putting on your own event. So that'd be an example of what's involved in one type of event. Obviously, if you're, say, doing a webinar, you're going to be some software that you have to set up and some online marketing that you'll have to do and and that kind of thing. So each kind of event really can vary widely in terms of the time and energy involved to make it successful. If you had to give a couple of clues as to what someone should do to ensure that their event is as successful as it could be, what would you say about that? I'd say that regardless of the type of event, the three things that you need to do to make it successful are to plan, practice, and follow up. Let's take that example of a a trade show again. You need to have a plan for what your goal is for that specific event. So are you trying to actually sell products from your booth Are you trying to capture leads for an email list to follow up with people later? Are you doing both? What do you want to get out of this? Once you know what your goal is, you have to come up with a plan for how you're going to accomplish that. Then once you have the plan, you actually have to practice the event. So this may sound silly, but if you're doing a trade show, you actually have to take some tape, measure out the space that you have for your booth, Set up your table exactly like it's going to be set up the day of the trade show. Time yourself when you set it up so you know how much time it takes to set up. And then have whoever's going to be standing there stand behind the table and have people come up and practice an interaction with them. Like I said, it sounds kind of silly, but it is so helpful to determine what conversation starters you need to use, the flow and the logistics of the booth. Like if you have an email sign-up form, which side of the booth does it have to go on so it doesn't interfere with maybe someone else who's trying to buy something. So you really have to actually practice the event. Of course, if it's a webinar, you need to practice your presentation and that kind of thing. Let me stop you there before you go on. That's really important advice. Just the whole logistics, like I'm going back to the physical instead of online for a minute to logistically know where everything should be and how it can flow nicely makes a lot of sense because I've been to a lot of shows where booths are totally congested. You couldn't get in there to ask a question to save your life (laughs) and people walk away. I mean, it's good to have a lot of people at your table, but it has to be a smooth flow where it can introduce new people in or else you're going to lose people. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so critical if you're doing that kind of vendor booth situation, you need to be capturing 
names and emails for your email list. I've actually seen a surprising number of examples where people had some sort of giveaway that they were doing in their booth, which is a great, a great idea to do like a sweepstakes or a giveaway. And they were having people sign up for it by giving them a name and phone number, but not getting an email address. And when I asked them why, you know, through the course of that conversation, I realized that all they were going to do was call up the winner to let them know that they had won, but they weren't going to do anything with the rest of the names. And I'm thinking, wow, you don't even get what you're doing here. All those valuable prospects gone. Yeah. So you need to be capturing emails and contact information. If possible, get their physical address, phone number, and email, but at least their email address. And that gives everybody at the booth something to do, too. The worst thing is if you have someone who's just sitting there doing nothing, you know, passive booth attendance. Yeah. You know, versus interacting with people who come by. Yeah. And then going back to my list of three things, the most important part of making the event successful is following up with people who attended your event. I'd already have an email written and loaded into an autoresponder if you're using one of those that gets sent out the day of or the day after the event at the latest, thanking them for attending and trying to move them one step down your sales funnel, make that call to action in that email, and then have some sort of plan for following up with them on an ongoing basis. So whether that's adding them to your email newsletter list or a direct mail campaign or, or whatever, that's where the money is, is in the follow-up. If you don't do any kind of follow-up from an event, you're really kind of missing the point and wasting most of your money. Yeah, so you're saying you don't just wrap up and go home and be done. Yeah, you know, people, I've seen, again, so many examples, especially in the gift industry where people think of a, a trade show as a one-day event where they're selling their products from their booth and they think of their uh, results in terms of how much product did we sell that day. Well, your question really should be, how many leads did we capture that day for future sale? Absolutely. I agree with you totally. The other thing, and I just want to bring this up because it's a pet peeve of mine, and I don't even know if it's really legal, but some shows will give you afterwards a list of all the attendees who have been at a show. If they haven't come to your booth and actually asked for information, you have to be careful how much you market to them. I'll get emails from people who will say, oh, it was so great seeing you at the show. Thanks for stopping by our booth. Guess what? I don't even know who they are. I was not by their booth. You know, and it was just a random email. And instead of me then feeling just neutral about that business, I'm negative because they really don't know what they're doing. Yeah, Sue, and that's a very good point. And I'll answer your question about whether it's legal. It is. In the United States, you are allowed to send emails to anybody as long as you're complying with the rest of the CAN Spam Act. And that is legal to send an email to that list. But what you want to do is say something like, just in case we missed you at the show, here's a little bit about our company. Here's where you can sign up for our email list if you'd like to learn. And then just send that one email that one time to the list that you get from the trade show. And then don't ever send anything to them again, unless they sign up for your own email list. Yeah, if they sign up, then you can start going down the funnel or whatever you're doing, as you were mentioning before. Right. Fabulous information on events. And for our listeners, if you've never thought of doing events as a way of customer acquisition, do reconsider because that personal touch means everything and you'd be surprised. It's also fun. You get to know a lot about your customers, which can help you with future business development as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Kevin, we're going to go now into our reflection section. What is one natural trait that you have that you would say has helped you to be successful? That would have to be self-discipline. 
And that really comes a lot from my training as as a pilot, which is a very strange background for a marketing consultant, but uh, I'll transfer well. And that's certainly one of them because as a pilot, you're trained to do things the same exact way every single time, no matter what, no matter how tired you are, no matter what kind of day you're having, you always do things the exact same time because if you don't, people could die. I'm not being melodramatic at all when I say that. That's the purpose of everything that we do in the course of every single flight is to protect lives. While fortunately in the marketing industry, lives are not at stake, having that same mindset as to the processes that I have in my business and just the habits that I have in my life, applying that idea of self-discipline to those has really gotten me far. Really good insight. Thank you for sharing that. What tool do you use regularly to keep productive or to help create balance in your life? For this one, I have to give a shout out to a friend of the book, John Ferrara, and his great uh, CRM tool, Nimble, which uh, I use myself. There's, there's a lot of CRM systems out there, but I that's the one I use, and I really like some of the features it has to help me keep track of all the people I'm interacting with and who I need to be following up with and all that kind of thing. So Nimble. Ooh, sounds like something we need to check out. <laughs> Absolutely. So now I want to talk about what book you've read lately that our listeners would find value in. But before we do that, I want you to go over and talk a little bit more about your book, The Small Business Owner's Guide to Local Lead Generation. Absolutely, Sue. And thanks for the opportunity. We're really excited about this book. I wrote it together with four other duct tape marketing consultants, and each of us is an expert in various areas. So when you combine the five of us and the years of experience we have working with local business owners, I think we really came up with a a very powerful guide indeed. And we were fortunate enough to get some endorsements from people like Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, and some other best-selling authors, CEO of FreshBooks, which some of your customers might even use for their bookkeeping. So we're really excited to get this out there and uh, put it in the hands of as many small business owners as we can. I'd mentioned in the beginning that I'm totally impressed because you put so much valuable content in a book that's pretty easy to digest. Yeah, well, being small business owners ourselves, we know how pressed listeners are for time because we are in the same boat. So we knew our book couldn't be longer than 200 pages or so or people just wouldn't get through it. We've got your back. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, put together a a bonus package for anyone who um, purchases the book. And I already mentioned the free copy of uh, Renewable Referrals for the first 100 people. But we've also got a free bonus chapter on uh, video marketing and uh, ebook on the 66 uh, most successful lead generation tactics. We've got a couple other ebooks from Duct Tape Marketing, video interviews with all the authors, some downloadable templates to help you with your website and marketing kit, and uh, all kinds of great stuff. Wow, the book is just the start. Absolutely, yeah. I think the resources are almost even more valuable than the book. The website for the book is localleadgenbook.com. That's where you can access all the bonuses. There's a form you can fill out just to put in your confirmation number after you purchase it on Amazon, and then you'll get instant access to all the bonuses. Okay, and after everybody reads that, what other book should someone look into? The one I like to recommend and one of my personal all-time favorites is one called Success Principles by Jack Canfield, who um, was the creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And it's Mm -hmm. just a book that's packed with the ideas and principles that have been used by really most successful people throughout history to get to where they are. And it is a book that literally changed my life and is what led me 
to start the journey from becoming a, an airline pilot to a small business owner. And what do you mean by changed your life? Well, the first principle in that book is take 100% responsibility for your life and for your results. At that time, I was in a very bad place in my life, just really hating my job. I was going to work with lots of other people who hated their job. People think being an airline pilot is glamorous and exciting, but it's really more like being a glorified bus driver. And the industry is just not a really great industry to be in. So I'd go to work and complain about everything. And all my coworkers went to work and complained about everything and then would go home and do it again the next day. And I realized that I needed to take responsibility for the fact that unless I changed something, that was just going to keep happening. When I started wrapping my mind around that philosophy and really embracing that, that's when I said, okay, what am I going to change? That was the first step on a a very long journey that's led me to be talking to you today. (laughs) Wow. Well, and I'm glad you did because we wouldn't have this book probably if you weren't, if you didn't make the change as well. Your book, I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Gift Biz listeners, just as you're listening to the podcast today, you can also listen to audiobooks with ease. I've teamed up with Audible for you to get an audiobook like the one that Kevin is mentioning for free. All you need to do is go to giftbizbook.com and make a selection. That's giftbizbook.com. Okay, Kevin, we're going into my favorite part of the interview, and that is the dare to dream question. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. This is your dream or goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside? Well, Sue, that's a great question. And I feel like I should give some kind of deep philosophical answer here. But to be honest, the first thing that came to mind was I'd really like to achieve some kind of financial freedom by the age of 50 so I can retire and do whatever the heck I want for the rest of my life. So <laughs> that's maybe not the, the most uh, philosophical answer that you'll, you'll hear, but it sounds pretty good to me. Well, you know what? It's not supposed to be a gift for anybody but you. And I think putting something out there like that, you know, saying exactly when and being able to have your freedom at that point, that doesn't mean you're not going to keep working, but it means that you don't have to if you didn't want to. Exactly. And that's a very good point. When I say, you know, whatever the heck I want, that might well be continuing to do what I am currently doing, but I could also choose to do something else. And that's what I want is the ability to wake up every morning and do whatever I want on that day. That combined with what you were talking about with your lesson from success principles, they both go right in line with each other, especially as business owners, you know, of our own businesses are completely in control. If there's listeners, you know, you're looking to build your business. That's why you're listening here. We can all take the advice and share in your dream, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? You've talked about the book already, but how could people get in touch with you if they wanted to learn more about services and the other things that you do? My business is called Redpoint Marketing Consultants, and my website is Redpoint Marketing Consultant, and that's where you can find all of the information about me and what I do and uh, my social media links and all that good stuff. And as you all know, if you jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com, you'll find Kevin's show notes page, and that'll have all the information. It'll have links of everything we've been talking about, a little bit of a review of the whole interview. So if you've missed anything, don't worry. It's all there and available for you on that page. 
Kevin, thank you so much for all of the valuable information that you've shared with us today. And may your candle always burn bright. Thank you, Sue. And thanks so much for having me on the show. Learn how to work smarter while developing and growing your business. Download our guide called 25 Free Tools to Enhance Your Business and Life. It's our gift to you and available at giftbizunwrap.com slash tools. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Would you like to be on the show? Or do you know someone who can provide valuable insight from their experiences? If so, we'd love to hear from you. All you need to do is submit a form for consideration. You can access the form at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash guest. That's giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash G-U-E-S-T. Today's show is sponsored by the Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out the ribbonprintcompany.com for more information.